welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information on this podcast and other resources, please go to BethelCleveland.com. How's everybody doing? Great. What a great weekend. I'm sure you've probably, did you talk about yesterday with, yeah, did you talk about Janet Porter? Yes, we love Janet Porter. She did a great yesterday at the uh, mall in Washington, D.C. I don't know how many were there, but if you watched it, there were from Lincoln Memorial to Washington Memorial was packed all the way through there. Usually that indicates more than 100,000 people that came out to pray. I would think it was probably a couple hundred thousand people. Franklin Graham led it. And uh, they were praying all day. They marched from somewhere to somewhere. I forget what they did, but it was an amazing turning point. It's called The Return. And Cindy uh, played the, the shofar blowing at the beginning of this whole event, which I'm not a huge shofar fan. I've got several of them. We do blow them periodically. They're, you know, Jew, the Jewish ram's horn. And um, uh, I'm not a big fan only because the people that blow them typically do not know how to blow them. And so... <laughs> It's a little irritating, but these people knew they must have had to hire some Jews or something, but they got an amazing sound. It, it was a sound of heaven. I mean, it, if you go home and listen to it at the beginning, it's gripping, like it's got that kind of grip to it. And then Janet Porter, who's from our church, uh, got up. She's the champion of the heartbeat bill. She got up and prayed a prayer that pretty much said everything she wanted to say under the Lord. It was amazing, <laughs> really, what she did. I texted her this morning. She was supposed to be here today, but she ended up having to hang out in D.C. So just thank the Lord because it was a turning point day. And regardless of your politics, by the end of that day, this day of turning, it was called the returning, this day of repentance and turning around, we all quote the verse, you know, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face. We never include this one phrase in there, and that's to return from your wicked ways. Somehow we just avoid that one. You know, the rest of it sounds very warm into our hearts, but you know, part of that is turning from our wicked ways, which is repentance. And so yesterday there was corporate repentance online, 3.5 million people. You gotta think that counts a little bit somewhere. When 3.5 million people begin to say, Lord, we repent for the sins of our nation. We call out to you. We cry out to you. So I know a lot of you don't like to mix politics and religion. I don't either. I do like to mix it when there's clarity on a moral choice, uh, such as abortion. You know? And so we take a stand here that we are pro-life. I, I, maybe a better term would be pro-birth. I mean, we want to see children that are in the womb, brought to full birth, uh, and there's plenty of people, apparently, statistically, that would adopt those if, uh, if the family did not want those. So as a nation, as a church, we need to stand up for these times, or 100 years from now, there'll be great regret. Not from us, we won't be around here, but there'll be great regret that there was a time when someone didn't stand up. Cindy and I watched a movie the other night, uh, I forget the title of it, but it was about a, a, a town in southern France on the Spain border where it's kind of separated by a spine of mountains there. And uh, this little town had some uh, Jewish people in it. And as you know, the Nazis were plowing across Europe and, and uh, getting rid of Jews, putting them on 
trains, taking them away to concentration camps and, and uh, for extermin- most of them for extermination. Horrible time in our history, you know. And, uh, but this little town had some people that had it in their hearts to help the Jews. And by the end of the movie, you find out that out of these, these towns right on the edge of these high mountains, over 2,500 Jews, mainly children, were taken over those mountains during those years, you know. And I thought about it because it's easy to sit and say, well, I'd have done the same thing. I mean, if I'd have been there, I'd have offered my house up. But the church did not do that, generally speaking. Some, some did, some didn't, and particularly in Germany. They bought into to the uh, regime of Hitler. So we can't be naive. We've got to realize that at certain points in our life, we may not want to take a stand, but you need to take a stand. Maybe it doesn't affect you personally, and it might even cost you damage to your reputation. I mean, right now, just a wrong quote on the internet can ruin your life. You know, so we're in very uh, tenuous times, but yesterday there was, a, there was a turn, and I really encourage this right now. We are in corporate national repentance right now, and it's not by accident that later on that day, a godly woman is nominated for the Supreme Court. Now, this is a woman who was top in her class. She's brilliant. I mean, once you hear where she came from and what she did, let's just say it, let's sum it up with this. This is one brilliant woman. I mean, she's amazing. And uh, the top of her class, all those things, you know, all kinds of accolades and everything else. Very humble woman, but brilliant. Seven children. Imagine that. Talk about working two jobs, you know, home and work. How about being a circuit court judge, you know, and her husband's a lawyer also. Seven children, two which are adopted from uh, Haiti and one which has special needs. And they were talking about in an interview how that this, during COVID, the pandemic, they were both having to kind of balance homeschooling stuff with their kids. I mean, they're real people. They're working with their kids, charismatic Catholic woman, who's just been put up for nomination for the Supreme Court. I can't think of a better, better person uh, to fill that role. I'm very excited about it. Now, <clears throat> I'm not naive enough to think because you got a Christian in there, everything's gonna be good. I know that. I mean, I, I voted for, a pre- my first president I voted for was an open Christian and possibly not one of the greatest presidents. Uh, and so, you, you have to discern. You're not voting for a person, particularly in this election where we've got flawed candidates. You're not voting for a person. You're voting for a destination. So we've got to get in our mind, which city in my future, do I, I'm not talking about natural cities, which city do I want to live in a city that is influenced by God, not necessarily run by God? You know, we don't, we don't want a country where Christians are ruling everything. Going, that's not the nation that God has created here. He's created this multicultural nation, many different religions. We respectfully, though, influence the destiny of this nation. We, we, are, we are guardians of it by the Spirit of God. You know, we can't, I've heard Christians say, well, let it just all burn. I mean, maybe it'll go to ashes and the Lord will raise it back up. And I always say, Do you, like, have you thought about that? Do you know what that really looks like? I mean, how many beans would you have to have in your basement to do that? If there's an, a, a zombie apocalypse that comes, like, your only hope is God. All your neighbors saw you carry all those beans down there. And they're going to be knocking on your door, and what are you going to do as a believer? I'm sorry, we don't have any beans, just human beans. 
that's all that's here, you know. No, no, you're gonna, the Holy Spirit's gonna speak to you and you're gonna give all your beans away. So that's fine. If you're filling your basement with beans because of your neighbors, you're trying to help them, I get that, you know. I mean, they said, I mean, it's, you can't buy an appliance now, right now for your house. The, every warehouse is emptied out, like refrigerators, everything is just emptied out. You can't get uh, seeds to plant in your garden. Very difficult to get seeds. You can't get uh, bullets. You can't get, I mean, there's, everyone is just like toilet paper. You know, you better save up, but I'm telling you. So everyone's fearful of this imaginary thing coming. What I want to talk about today is life in the spirit. Because no matter where you are in human history, there will be macro and micro challenges that come to you. We are facing a macro challenge in this country right now. We are in a hinge moment. We are on the edge of a potential precipice. Things are very serious. Yesterday we saw a reprieve. We felt for a day like, oh, wow, people are praying in Washington. It's important to do that. People are in, in agreeing with, in prayer with them. There are people that are standing to see this country. Again, not that we, we know it's never gonna be a perfect country, but can we, can we live in a nation? What about if we had a nation that had powerful influence in the entire world? Think about that for a minute. What if we lived in a nation like that and we were given that as stewards, all of us, to steward this nation? We don't want it to just burn up. And we, There's too many people here. There's my kids, there's my grandkids here. There's all of you. We, we want this place to, to be healthy and strong and prosper. We know it'll never be perfect, but we want it to be an example. We want it to at least be a taste of heaven. Why do you think we had to build walls on our southern border? Because everyone in the world wants to come here. Let's let them in. I told the senator, they're building big walls. They need to build a big gate. If I was President Trump, I'd, I'd allow twice as many immigrants to come in. We take about a million a year right now. It's open at the two million a year. I mean, we are, are, the, are the arms of freedom for the world right now. And I say that in humility, but with respect to what God's given us. So as Holy Spirit-led people, we've got to be more discerning in this moment than any other time, probably in our lifetime. And so I wanna look at some scripture here uh, in Ephesians chapter one. Actually, I've got a little bonus scripture I wanna throw in here on the top came to me in the last minute uh, out of Proverbs 11, 11. So if you just look at me, kind of look at Ephesians 1, keep your finger there if you've got your literal Bible. Or if you're using your phone, zip over to Proverbs 11, 11 real quick. Proverbs 11, 11, um, has a, it's, a, it's an interesting verse that speaks to the need for believers to be present. We are the light we are the salt, those are influencers. Light brings clarity, salt brings preservation. Salt also pulls out flavor, you know, and expands flavor. Um, we are the leaven, the influence, you put it into the, into the dough, it affects the entire dough and causes it all to begin to rise up. I mean, when you look at the kingdom of God, are these things, Jesus talked about it, we are, we are Christians generally do not do well in the number one spot. I don't know why that is. Some do, but not many. You look through scripture, it's, it's tier, second-tiered individuals that change nations. You know, Moses, Joseph, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Nehemiah, 
Esther. They're all like second tier people. They're not in primary control, but they have access to primary control and there's influence into that. Mike Pence's prayer yesterday, our vice president, was very encouraging. There's a man who's a, who's a godly man. He really is. And you know, whether you agree with policies or not, it, it doesn't matter. This, this is a kingdom person who's, who's, I mean, there's few nations in the world right now where at that level, that high level, someone's willing to pray publicly because they know the, the repercussions that will come from that. Why is that important? Because it's shaped, the reason we are a great nation. I've traveled all over the world. I've been to over 30 nations. I love them. I mean, there's countries I go to. This is beautiful. I love it. But I always want to come home. I always want to come home because you have the nations here. I mean, this, everywhere you go, if you go in Cleveland, go to Sam's Club, go to Costco's, walk slow, and listen to how many different languages you can hear spoke, spoken at Sam's Club. I mean, it's amazing. It's like, whoa, I love America. That affects the food, that affects the culture, that affects the music. It's all good. It's a taste of heaven that every tongue, every nation, every tribe, every language will worship the Lord together. So you might as well get used to it now. We need more people of color in our church because they bring more of the, the you know, you're, you've heard of a five, five bean chili. I mean, a five bean chili is really good. We want five bean chilies here. We want everyone together worshiping the Lord together so you can taste heaven because when you taste heaven, the Holy Spirit does something of recalibration in your very soul that changes your day-to-day life. That's what I wanna talk about here is the expanding power of the Holy Spirit. This is the eighth session we've had together through this end of this summer on the Holy Spirit. And I titled this one, Living Large in the Holy Spirit. Proverbs 11, 11 says this, by the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. Listen to that. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. How a blessing is spoken. Literally blessing, Greek and Hebrew both says basically the same thing. A well word, a word that shapes, a word that encourages. You know, it's where we get our word eulogy. You know where we do eulogies, right? Funerals. We say the best words we could ever say over people when they're dead. Why can we not do that when we're alive? In our prophetic classes, we teach people to learn how to bless first and then move on to the prophetic because it, it affects the prophetic. When you learn how to bless, you learn how to speak good things and preferred futures over people. Jesus came to proclaim the year of favor. You know what that means? That means that the proclamation that comes out of Jesus Christ is a favorable proclamation. It's something that it lifts up and encourages. You go, yeah, but the second part of that is in the day of judgment. You know, and then we got these judgment prophets that are always like after the United States or after you or after your family or whatever, you're gonna, you're gonna burn, it's gonna be difficult, it's gonna be challenging. Life does offer a lot of difficult situations. But look at the contrast between Jesus, the year of favor and the day of judgment. A year is 365. 365 days of favor, one day of judgment. That's pretty good odds. The church presents odds. Yes, there are difficult times, but the favor is overwhelming by the Lord. And the upright need to bless and speak into a city, but it is overthrown. The city is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. So we need a voice. 
God right now, I think, in America is developing a voice in believers to begin to speak up, speak out, speak strong, like Peter did, take your stand, lift your voice. Take your stand, lift your voice. When did he do that? After he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Prior to the filling of the Holy Spirit, he was cutting people's ears off. Prior to the Holy Spirit, he was denying Christ three times after Jesus prophesied that he would deny him three times. Within 24 hours, oh no, no, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. Just how quickly things change, you know. He, he had difficulties in his heart. and He was a very courageous guy, but very cowardly all at the same time. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon him, out of the 12 that were there, out of the 120 that were there in the upper room, Peter comes out in the midst of a crowd that had recently, I mean, recently crucified Jesus Christ 50 days prior to that. This is still fresh in their minds. Isn't that Peter, the one that followed Jesus, that's standing there? He could have got up and made all kinds of apologies. I know you heard some noise today. I know it felt a little bit windy. I know you probably saw some fire on some people's heads. You know, let me just explain that to you. We're so sorry that you had to see that. I mean, he could have done that. But what he does is he takes the stand, lifts his voice, and preaches who Jesus Christ was to all those people. So powerful, so convicting that 3,000 Jews. You know how hard it is today to win a Jew to Jesus Christ? It's not easy. Entire ministries have, have focused on touching Jews because of the mindset they have from the, from the Torah. But Peter stands up as a Jew, preaches them Jesus Christ, and 3,000 people came to the Lord in that moment right then. And at the, end, he, at the end, he says, repent or be saved from this perverse generation. He's calling people out of darkness into light. He's the, he's the, he's the first exemplar of Holy Spirit filling that emerges in Acts chapter 2. What happens when the Holy Spirit comes on you? I got to preach. Turn to the person next to you and say, I've got to preach. Say it with a southern accent if you can, it always feels better. I gotta preach. I gotta preach. Something's burning in my heart. Tom, you gotta preach. You gotta preach. Christopher, you gotta preach. You gotta preach. It's the Holy Spirit coming upon you, Christopher, that begins to expand your thinking way beyond your earthly limits. You will be amazed what you'll do under the influence of the Holy Spirit. In the years ahead, people are going to be stopped coming from prayer meetings. They say, you've got to be driving under the influence. You'll say, I am. It's the Holy Spirit influence. I drink a wine you know not of. And it changes me into a different person. Oh, I know what it's like when people get drunk. They do things, they, they stand up on tables, they dance, they declare things, they, they make themselves, yeah, that's kind of what happens at church. <laughs> yeah, we come out and we're bold. Like a drunken man who comes out and boldly says things to people that are twice their size. You're like, oh, he's drunk. <laughs> Ignore him. He doesn't know what he's saying. Peter comes out of there full of the Holy Spirit. These men are drunk, not as you suppose. That's what the Bible says. 
takes his stand, lifts his voice, and begins a journey with Holy Spirit in his life, guiding him in a powerful way. Now I understand what Jesus said when he said, it's better for me to go so that he may come. Because he's an expansive power. That's why Jesus prophesied and said in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts, he knows the Holy Spirit. He said, you will not be able to contain him in Jerusalem alone. He stretches out all the time. He's gonna come in your life and you're gonna feel stretch marks in your soul. You're gonna feel the power of God as you've been like a glove put on by God with an ever-expanding hand as he reaches and does the extraordinary. Many of us hire life coaches. You get people to tell you things that you can't see yourself and give you information and coach you and kind of get on the phone with them and have a Zoom so that they can say, you're gonna make it, man. You've done amazing stuff. You're, you're gonna just, you've got capacity. And they'll tell you all these, let me tell you, the best thing you can get is the Holy Spirit in your life. He's your coach. And he, He's free. He wants to coach you through this thing called life. And Christians in America are, are shriveled down into their own limitations. You don't understand? I don't have much gray matter. It's not really good, you know. You don't know what my father and my grandfather was like. You don't understand where I grew up and I don't speak very clearly. I don't have the language that you do. I don't have the gifts that you do. I can't play an instrument. I can't sing. I can't do any of these things. We think of all these things we can't do. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit wants to stretch you. The power of the Holy Spirit wants to move on you. He wants to give you an epiphany. He wants to take you, as a picture came to me earlier this week, he wants to take you from little spheres into great spheres. If you knew the potential of the Holy Spirit in you, it would scare you to death. You say, oh, no, I don't know if that could happen. You know, I don't know if that could happen. Well, it can't in your power. But if you learn how to soak in the Holy Spirit, if you learn how to inculcate those powerful attributes of the Holy Spirit, which means you learn how to worship, you learn how to stay in the presence of God, you learn how to sense. When Leonard Jones was here yesterday, you know, he's just talking about the waves, the sense of the Holy You learn how to sense the waves of the Holy Spirit. And you look over at your spouse or your kids and you go, whoa, get ready. I feel the Holy Spirit coming. I mean, you typically we think of people like that and think, well, that's a little bit weird. But people can actually feel the move of the Holy Spirit in a room like wind that comes. Cannot see it, can't see where it's going, but it is here, buddy, right now. And when the Holy Spirit comes, there's an empowerment for people that are attached by faith to the Holy Spirit. Faith is the expander of your life. It moves you into places you'd never go. God wants to come down and show you things you do not know. He will show you things even about your business where you don't know what to do next. And I'm, you're calling your coaches and reading books and everything else and there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm telling you, if you'll become a man or woman of God and begin to soak in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, the little wisdom you have will come great in the eyes of the Lord. He loves it. Holy Spirit loves it. He's like, just put me on for a while. Let me show you what I can do. You will get innovative ideas. You will get understanding. You will get wisdom. It's the prayer that Paul prayed in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3. And I'm going to go to Ephesians 1 in just a minute to talk about it. Let me talk about my grandkids first. It's always important. Josephine. Josephine is five, right, Cindy? Five. Just turned five. She was with Cindy the other day. They were making chicken noodle soup. 
And Josephine loves to kind of hang around her nanny and learn. Cindy's an amazing cook. And so she had her little chair over there. She's standing up on it right next to Cindy. And Cindy's got the noodles there and, you know, the carrots and everything else that's there. It goes in this amazing noodle soup that we're going to have right after this meeting. And that's why I'm talking so fast. (laughs) And she's looking at that. And Cindy's removing the meat from the chicken and putting it over there to be put into the soup. And I'm in the other room watching something on TV and I, I can hear them talking in there and Josephine asks questions. She's very inquisitive. She's a nanny. Why do they call this chicken and the animal chicken also? And I, I, I stopped what I was doing. I, I looked into the kitchen saying, I wanna hear the answer to this. We're having a moment here. This is one of those moments in childhood the birthing of a vegetarian. <laughs> and so Cindy paused as her mind was racing. Holy Spirit, that's all happening inside. And she said, well, Josie, because it's the same thing. And Josie was paused for a moment, like this is registering. It's coming in. And she goes, is that why it has bones? She said, yes, that's why. She was quiet the whole rest of the time. She's meditating. She's thinking on that. I'm eating a chicken. I thought this chicken was different than that chicken, but it's the same chicken. Do you know how many chickens the Holy Spirit wants to show you? He wants to take you through moments in your life where you're like, oh, wow, amazing. I didn't know that. Do you know when you raise kids, you get to have all those little talks along the way? Talks you don't really want to have because you know it's moving a person out of the limitations of their childlike thinking into a broader zone of there's a huge world out there. There's good people. There's evil people. There's good projects and schemes. There's evil projects and schemes. I mean, you see it just opening up and your chill. My kids are in their 30s. They're still getting those <laughs> revelations, you know, about business and about people. You know, people are really difficult to work with. That's true. It could be very difficult. You got to learn human relations, you know. Holy Spirit will show you what to say and when to say and what to do and what's the key thing. I mean, I love when I see the movement of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So Paul lays out a framework. Paul lays out a framework in Ephesians 1 that is brilliant. And I wish I had time to go through all of it. I do not, but we're going to briefly look at it. In Ephesians 1, he talks about... uh, uh, the various things that are going on. For instance, he gives the details of the inheritance that comes to you from the Father through Jesus Christ revealed by his Holy Spirit. You get that? Comes to the Father through Jesus Christ revealed by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is unpacking for you your inheritance in Christ. Now here's the deal. We hear that and we go, oh, yeah, oh I know, yeah, I've got Jesus and eternal life and it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's that. But it's way beyond that. In fact, you're going to experience the depths of the riches of Jesus Christ if you're willing to stretch out in faith going after that inheritance that was given to you. After this service, if I pulled you aside and said, hey, just want to tell you something. You got to just a minute. Yeah, I got a minute. We're, we're going out to eat. But if, yeah, I got just a minute. Okay, here's the deal. Someone in our church uh, do you remember so-and-so? Well, yeah, yeah, and, uh, that older lady. Uh, yeah, that older lady. She passed away this week. Oh, no, that's terrible. 
Yeah, she passed away. And some reason in her will, she wrote you in as the, the beneficiary of this will. I mean, what would happen in your mind? What, what would be coming forth in your mind? You think like, are you kidding? This is a joke? No, it's serious. It's serious. We need to talk about it. All of a sudden now, whoever's waiting for you at lunch, it's like, hey, they can wait. I want to hear about this. Yeah, she, she left all of it to you. Well, what did she have? What happens in that moment is your mind begins to expand beyond your limitations. Now you've been given something by a generous woman who expands your, I mean, and you're like, uh, if I said, well, she's, she's got money. Well, how much money? I mean, what's in your head? What's a lot of money? Is it $10,000? No, that's more than that. It's $100,000? No, it's, it's more than that. A million dollars? Like this, now your mind is expanding. Your thoughts are running through your mind you haven't had in many years because you know these are impossibilities. That's what it's like with the inheritance of Christ, but we treat it as a thing that's just written down rather than realizing this is a real thing through the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ, as we begin to expand our understanding, every day you can have the mind-blown thing going on like, wow, God, I didn't see you in that. I just talked to a guy the other day. He got, he's, almost, he's turning 70 uh, this next year, 70 years old. I was chatting with him. And an opportunity that is like amazing opportunity. He'd have been qualified for it 20 years ago. But this amazing opportunity opened. He, he confided in me a couple months ago and he shared it with me that was coming up. Thought it was gonna happen. Now it's happening. It's requiring a move. He's gonna be in an amazing situation, making money, really powerful deal, doing the gospel of Jesus Christ in big, powerful ways, you know. He says, I just don't know what happened. I said, I do. I know exactly what happened, man. The Holy Spirit's been preparing you your entire life. This is a moment. You've been a Holy Spirit person your life and your entire life. And he's, a, he's wanting to show you the the whole thing. A friend of mine, <laughs> who may be watching this right now, he has a house that is 25,000 square feet. I go over there and my mind's like, Phew. I'm just like, I think it's bigger than our house, Cindy. <laughs> By 10 or 15 times, I don't know. I mean, a pool, indoor pool back there. They baptize people in there cascading infinity fountains, you know, going off into the backyard, their own little sled riding hill out there, you know. And I mean, seven bedrooms. I mean, they're, what I love showing people, like my friend's probably a little aggravated at me because I'll actually take visitors and go, come on, let me show you around. I show them the closet. The master closet is the size of the downstairs of our house, I think. Maybe not, it's a little smaller now with a huge island in the middle of it, you know, like a, a granite top island, which, you know, y'all need in your closet. You know. Racks of shoes that pull out of the wall. And you're like, oh, it's just like this eternal inheritance that's there, you know. So I go over there, we were there last week, a few of my friends from the east side and they came in, they're like, they're like, wow, this looks pretty good. So I said, yeah, this is your first time here? See, I get excited. I realize that thing I feel is how the Holy Spirit feels. Yeah. I mean, someone comes new in here like, oh, wow, this is, I mean, what if that, those are my friends from the east side, they come in house, what if I said, hey, I just want to tell you guys, this guy's going to give you this house. They'd be like, what? Why? I said, well, it's a gift. He just loves you so much, he wants to give it to you. 
Well, what's a God in here? Let me show you. And so I take them around. When I was taking around, in fact, they, he showed them, you know, basically the whole house. He can serve 125 people banquet style in his basement. I mean, it's, it's, he's, got a, he's got an eternal flame out in his front yard, you know. Uh, this guy's a soul winner, though. He wins souls. He disciples people. He's a Holy Spirit man. We spend a lot of time together just confiding and talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. But when I go to his house, like I did this week for a meeting, when I go to his house, I feel the expansive power of the Holy Spirit. Not that I'll ever have that house like that or, or maybe not even want a house like that. But when I get there, I feel like, Holy Spirit, you are so much bigger than what I can imagine. And so my glee, he showed him all the house except the whole bedroom wing, you know, and I really like the bedroom wing. And so I said, hey, like, you didn't show him the bedroom wing. He goes, well, you know, people are usually not interested in that. I said, no, no, they will love it. I mean, here I'm taking over the house, you know, I'm just so excited. Holy Spirit wants to take you on a lifetime tour of your inheritance. And most Christians in America never get on the tour. They never get on the tour because they bought into a restricted, limited mentality. When well, God has so much more. Why do you think the key phrase in the Toronto blessing 26 years ago, the one prayer that we prayed in probably, I probably prayed it in five different languages. I'd go around the world preaching, talking about the Toronto blessing and the move of the Holy Spirit. And some places we'd go, we'd say more Lord, because we knew there was more. Other places we say, mas senor, mas senor. I mean, in Holland, I learned how to say it and in Dutch and Germany and all over the place. First thing I'd arrive, I'd go, how do you say more, Lord? And then they would tell me, and I hope they'd tell me the right thing because I said it over thousands of people. <laughs> I might have said, where is the restroom? Where is the restroom? Where is the restroom? I don't know. Why do we say mas, senor? We say more, Lord, because there's always more in the Lord. Get this restriction off of your mind. Wherever you are in your finances, there is more. Wherever you are in Revelation about your children, your teenagers, teenagers, your grandchildren, there's more. Lord, I mean, my mom was a prophetic intercessor. I couldn't do anything because she always knew what I was thinking. A woman of the Holy Spirit. A man and woman of the Holy Spirit will know how to navigate. When they're in a board meeting, when they're with a group of employees, when they're managing a group, and you think, oh, this is that... That Peter principle, I've raised up to the level of incompetence. That's what they call it. You're faithful, they'll keep promoting you until you get to a level where you don't know what to do. And people do that. They have to then demote you and then you're, you're, you're demolished in your soul for years. Like, I had such potential. I'm telling you, with the Holy Spirit of God, you'll blow the glass ceiling off every roof you see by the power of God. Why? He's called us to bless. He's called us to bless the city. He's called us to be influencers. He's called us to be salt and light. And so he lays it out in Ephesians 1. And then later in Ephesians, Paul gets so excited about it. Look at verse 16. We got one minute left. In verse 16, he prays this prayer. Now think, as we read this prayer, the only way you're going to fully get this is if you think expansion. Think of the expansive power of the Holy Spirit. And in just a few minutes, we're going to do a quick uh, activation on this. I want everyone to activate before you leave. So expansion, think, think expansion that's exceedingly above, beyond. These, these words are human words to try to communicate something that you do not know. 
Oh, well, my clock just turned red. That means I'm over time right there. See that? That's scary. All of a sudden it blinked into red and I thought, uh-oh, hellfire is coming. Ephesians 1.16 says this, do not, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom, spirit of wisdom and understanding or revelation. Wisdom here means the constructs of living, that you might get constructs of how to live. Revelation means transcendent understanding, that not only does he give you constructs, he wants to fill those constructs with deep wisdom and understanding. That's what he wants to do. You go, oh, how's he going? We always think the church, you know, like a church or whatever. I don't know what we think. Let me tell you, he's talking about your job. He's talking about your neighborhood. He's talking about your marriage relationship. He's talking about all of it that he desires through the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, expanding out of limitations. Look at verse 18. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. This is the same chicken. That it be enlightened that you may know, in brackets, what you don't know. You may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Look at verse 19, it's even more expansive. And what is the exceeding, going way beyond, greatness, literally vastness, of his power, dynamite, toward us who believe according to the working or the energy of his mighty Power. So why do we train people in prophetic? Why do we train people in, I talked to a guy this week, 40 years old, goes to our church. Raised in this church back in the 90s. Uh, smart guy. He was a teenager, like 17 years old, went to our youth group, eventually went to Toronto School of Ministry, got his degree, went into the fields, and we kind of lost connection over the years. I met with him this week because he's come back here. And I've been talking to him and he said, he said, I gotta tell you, Steve, he said, the prophetic training I went through in the 90s prepared me for the business that I'm involved in right now. I'm like, what? He said, yeah. I said, explain that to me. This, I said, I'm gonna make a video out of this. It's amazing. He said, yeah, when I was a teenager and I was learning how to prophesy, he said something about that process. He said, remember when Graham Cook was here? And I said, yeah, 1998. He said, yeah, they called me up on the stage. I was prophesying, I was calling people out. He was like 18, 19, 20 years old, something like that. He said something about it shifted my mind where now I understand business, I understand people, I understand when people are not telling me truth, when people are telling me truth. He says it's advanced me in everything that I've got involved in because I went through that training on the prophetic at church. Wow. So why do you think we encourage people? We encourage you because we gotta prophesy over one another. Learn how to do it. We've got to practice on one another. But you get out there, you are a carrier of the Holy Spirit. And everywhere you go, when people are depressed and wanting to limit things down, you're going to go in and begin to expand it out. You're going to push out. Christopher, you're going to go national rather than just Ohio. There's going to be national stuff that's going to open up in your life. We bless it right now because the Holy Spirit is the divine expander. Even though I'm running late, I'm going to, let's go stand up. Let's stand up so we know I'm serious. Yeah, yes, thank you. First Corinthians says this about the Holy Spirit. Listen close, <laughs> I love this verse, I've always loved it. It says, it is written, 
So this is a quote out of the Old Testament in the New Testament. I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered in the heart of man. What does that say? You're limited. Mankind is limited. You're very limited without God. Very limited. You're limited whatever's up here. Limited whatever's here. You're limited with whatever's here. Might be limited by whatever's here. Better looking people tend to be more successful. That's a, that's a hindrance. Tall people tend to, more CEOs are taller. That's a hindrance. I never made that. 5'9", that's it. Can't be a CEO. I'm limited. But boy, when the Holy Spirit puts you on, you're the glove. He's the hand of God. Amazing things begin to happen. So eyes not seen, ears not heard. The things which God has prepared, so he thought about you in advance, for those who love him. Here's verse 10, captures it all together. But God, everyone say, but God. But God. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. Here's what we're gonna do. I want you to hold your hands out. And in your hand, this is like a little invisible activation. In your hand, put something that you are limited in. Something that you'd love to expand, but you know, I, I just, who I am is not enough. What I know is not enough. Where I've been is not enough. What is that thing? Put it in your hand right now before the Lord. You're offering it up to Him. And now what I want to do is, I want to pray Paul's prayer over you. Out of Ephesians chapter 3. So just think of that thing that's right there, a limitation. I've got mine. I've got two, actually, since I have two hands. I'm filling them up. Jesus, I'm limited. He says this, verse 10, Ephesians 3, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be known, made known by the church to principalities and powers in heavenly places in whom we have boldness, access, confidence through faith in him. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you right now, those with your hands out, he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend this full inheritance you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, what is the length, what is the depth, what is the height. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. I pray, Lord, this week there will be a stretching that takes place. Between now and the election in November, Lord, stretch us. Stretch us as a church corporately. Things we think we can't do. Lord, you're already doing that. Now you're stretching me. Lord, things we think we can't do, we can't without you. So Lord, we ask for you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come into this place. We enjoy you during our worship. I want to enjoy you during my job. I want to enjoy you at my home. I want to enjoy you at my neighborhood. Holy Spirit, come and fill this group right now. From the top of their heads to the bottom of their feet. That not only will they be Spirit-filled, that's great, but they will be Spirit-led in the name of Jesus. They will go forth 
in power. They will take a stand. They will lift their voice and they will see the fullness of the power of God revealed in their lives in Jesus name just this week Lord we want to see some amazing things happen breakthroughs glass ceilings exploding in Jesus name amen if you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ you're missing out on the greatest opportunity of your life all you have to do really is turn go another way you turn and follow Jesus Christ you learn of his ways we're here to help you with that we're going to have if we could get some of our team members up here in the front some of our ministry team we're going to invite them up to get ministry also have a book we'd like to give you if today for the first time you receive the Lord Jesus Christ we get our ministry team some of them up here in the front I think we've got five six seven eight of you we've trained hundreds of you so surely somebody there we go good they're coming so if you do not know Jesus Christ, uh, in fact, if we can put the text number up on the top here uh, for the end, there's a number you can text. We've got four sessions of training to give you. Let us know, email us, let us know what you did when you said, Jesus, I wanna follow you. <clears throat> I've been running my life the way I wanna run. Lord, I wanna, I wanna run with you. Show me the power of your Holy Spirit. I believe in you, Jesus Christ. However you wanna say it. You're saying, I don't want to do what I've done anymore. I want to do what Jesus is going to do. When you say that, according to the Bible, you're born of the Spirit. You're born again. And the Spirit of God is now dwelling inside of you, sealed your salvation. And now you can walk in the power of the Spirit. You will see and hear things you've never even dreamed of. We bless that right now in the name of Jesus. You're here today. You've got a need.